Good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Cindy Lanou, and I serve as a youth leader and a Stephen minister in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Faithful God, we recognize your abiding yes to us when we are in deep need. We come to you now aware of some of the continuing issues in our lives that paralyze us and separate us from you. We have lived so long at last than our at doing less than our best that we seldom recognize our need for your healing touch. We are attracted by your promises and drawn by your love. Bring healing and peace to us that we might become instruments of healing in our world. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive the Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised to the glory of God.
for the call to worship. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Let us worship God.
Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Our God pursues us as a loving parent, seeking the lost to bring them into his fold, seeking those who stray to bring them home. Let us respond to his amazing grace and love in a spirit of humble repentance and confess our sins together. Let us pray. God of the future, we have made a habit of looking backward to what has been instead of forward to what may yet be. We are so focused on the past that we miss your vital presence with us day by day. We deny you by our neglect, for we have not honored you with our sacrifices, listened for your word, or watched for your appearing. We have sinned against you. How can we ask for a word of forgiveness or seek your gracious healing? Yet we must, for we cannot continue the way we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Hear the good news. You are forgiven because Christ died for us, Christ rose for us, Christ reigns in power for us, and Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone. A new life has begun. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. And now with believers in Jesus Christ across the globe and down through the ages, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now, again, as um, we mentioned before, um, we're, as we greet our neighbors, uh, be sensitive to those around you. And um, for those who want to shake hands or give a hug, go ahead. But if you want to just give an elbow bump, do that too. Just be safe.
glad that you're here to worship with us today. Um, if you would take the red friendship pad and sign it and send it down so we know that you're here and that people down at the end of the aisle know who you are when it comes back. Pastor Steve is playing the role of father of the bride this weekend. Oh, it's so great. So all love and great blessings for Brittany and John and for the McConnell family. And speaking of awesome pastors, you probably saw that Bruce Porter is receiving the Great Scott Award. Well, Great Scott, if you want to go, we put the wrong email in there. So call instead of emailing if you want to attend that luncheon when he receives that very special award. Today is the library grand opening. Carolyn has been working for so long with this great team of volunteers. They have it all automated. You want to go upstairs into room 202 for free food, lots of great stuff up there. And you can also get your library card under the tree and um, find out how to like download an app on your phone. So you can, sometimes Steve will recommend books and they'll try to get them in the library. So it's really a great, great thing that you don't want to miss. So we know that um, the Lenten season started. We just had Ash Wednesday. And so there isn't a better time than to come on Wednesday nights to the new Lenten series. It's led by Dr. Charles Hausner, and there will be a small group that follows that. So for this season of life, what a great thing to do for Lent this Wednesday at 6.30. And also the new um, Lenten devotionals are available and ready, so as you leave today that you could um, read those each day during Lent. They're also available on our website, so you could download them or save a tree and just read them on your computer if you're into that as well. Uh, next Sunday is Commitment Sunday. There are pew, um, in the pew racks, there are the pledge cards, and we have a great celebration planned. We're going to do one joint service right at 9 o'clock. The contemporary service folks are going to come over. And then we're going to have a church-wide picnic out under the tree. Cornhole, um, great food, really good music. It'll be just a blast. So you want to come next week. Um, we will be worshiping at 11 as well, so 9 and 11 only next week. But put that on your calendar. A couple more. Mark your calendars for March 3rd. Rick Howell, who is the executive director of Samaritan Counseling, is doing a wonderful um, talk and luncheon, and you can get tickets under the tree. And then finally, March 4th, at 4 o'clock, Genevieve has put together this beautiful event to help us become aware of the children in our community and around our world who have um, just have all the cards stacked against them. They're doing a beautiful rendition of um, John Rutter's, I don't know what it's called, Mass of the Children. Um, that will be in here first at 4 o'clock. And then under the tree, there will be all sorts of not-for-profits that can teach us how we can maybe learn about those children that are at risk. And then we're setting up a thing in the campus center where you can light a candle and say a prayer and reflect on all of those children who... Um, just need something more than, than, what they, than what they have. So I would like to invite Pam Kelly to come forward. Um, we are spending this whole month of February talking about how we are overflowing, and Pam is going to share a generosity moment for us this morning. Thanks, Pam. Good morning. When Pastor Steve asked me to speak this morning about our current series, My Cup Overflows, I immediately thought about my family. I have been blessed with four amazing, healthy children and three grandchildren. I am truly enjoying the circle of life. The joy I feel watching my children become amazing adults is beyond words I can express. This leads me, <coughs> excuse me, to my church family here at the Church of the Palms. Our family joined the Church of the Palms 20 years ago. My four children were baptized here. They received their first Bibles here. They went through the children's program. Uh, they continued on to the middle school program and enjoyed uh, the youth group and the mission trips. They were confirmed here, and then they finished out in high school. All four children had the love and support of many of the adult leaders I see here today. And it's not uncommon for me to be out under the tree and have adults ask me, how are your, how are your kids doing? That's a church family. 
Life has continued. My four children, um, three of the four children are married. Ruth Schaff, which I'm sure many of you remember, married Chelsea and Chris 10 years ago. Pastor Steve married Shelby and Tyler just in uh, March of 2016. And just recently, he came all the way to Orlando to marry my son, Blake, and his wife, uh, Tina. I believe this is a true indication of a church family, that he took the time to come. Um, my grandchildren have all been baptized here. Miles uh, has been in the church nursery. Emma and Sadie have enjoyed the children's programs. And they, too, have felt the love and support of our church. In September of 2015, my husband passed away. During his illness, I had weekly visits from the church. They came to the hospital, they came to our house, they came to hospice. We felt the love and support of you all. We had a beautiful service here in this room, and he's currently in the Memorial Garden. <clears throat> so life um, through the years has been celebrated here, and you all have had an amazing impact on our family. Through the years, I've been able to volunteer at the, in the Sunday school and youth group. I've also been able to participate in the medical clinic at Day of Hope, and I've had several visits to Honduras. I believe it's so important to give back, because we certainly have been given a lot of love and support. There's something for everybody at this church. My cup continues to overflow in gratitude to the Church of the Palms. I've been able to feel the power of a church family in every stage of my life, thanks to you. I can only hope that you too have been able to experience this love in your life here at the church. Thank you.
Now we invite our new members to come forward to be recognized. We had a couple of folks that could not be here today. Eileen Linksweiler worships with us through our TV ministry. Um, she is homebound. Her daughter is a member of this church. And Lita Rogers was out of town this weekend, so she could not be here. So as I introduce you, please raise your hand. Patricia Jordan, Joan Lovingood, Wells and Marsha Permart. Let's give them a big hand. Now, if you would please turn around and face me, I have to ask you those four questions. I know you've been working so hard on practicing the answers. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Yes. And do you trust in him? And will you be a faithful member of this church, giving of yourself in every way, and seek to become a more equipped disciple of Jesus Christ? Yes. And will you seek the company of the church wherever you may go? Yes. I pronounce you new members. Let's give them all a big hand again. Okay, let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for these new members who have joined our community of faith, your body, your church, and united with us in our mission to love you and our neighbor as first importance. We are grateful for your generous provision for our lives and for our souls, most of all for your many promises to be with us through the power of the Holy Spirit every moment of our lives so that we are never alone. Our hearts are heavy today, Father, because of the gratuitous violence that plagues our nation and is taking the lives of our precious children. Guide us, O oh God, to take the necessary actions to eliminate this evil and keep our children and all who are vulnerable safe. We implore you, Lord, to move the hearts of the people of this nation to repent of our sin our godlessness, greed, self-centeredness, and glorification of violence and immorality that typify our culture. And let it begin with us. Let us, your people, who are called by your name, humble ourselves and pray. Seek your face and turn from our wicked ways so that you will hear from heaven and will forgive our sin and heal our land. And now together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Welcome. 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 You may be seated. And now let us continue our worship with a joyful presentation of our tithes and offerings.
Let us pray. Lord, let our congregation be a witness to you, immersed in scripture, constant in prayer, joyful in worship and generous in giving, a loving, supportive community reaching out to those in need. Accept these gifts we offer in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And now we invite the children to come forward for the children's moment with Miss Emma. So we are excited. I got the bunny ears on. It's just four weeks away. Just a little over four weeks away from our Easter egg hunt, which is our biggest, one of our biggest family outreaches for the community and our church. And we need your help. We need your and um, if you would like to volunteer, it's just three hours of your time on March 24th. So um, join us. Sign out out by the tree. So good morning, guys. So does anyone know what last Wednesday was? Ash Wednesday. Well, Ash Wednesday, yes. But it was also Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day, yes. So I know. Good job. That was a good answer. But we're going to be talking about Valentine's Day. So did anyone give you a Valentine this Valentine's Day? Raise your hand. Um, and did, did they make it or did they buy it? Hmm. Make it, yeah. And did you give any Valentine to anyone else? Yeah? Like in your class, did you make them or did you buy them? Did you make your little boxes? <laughs> did you give any Valentines to anyone? Yeah. And what was your favorite? Does anyone want to raise their hand? Your favorite Valentine? Like it could be a card from a friend. Anyone? Well, I'll give you some examples because there's lots of different types. So there's some that have candy attached. Those are my favorite. And then there's some that have gum. And there's some that are really sweet, like these ones. And there's some that are really funny. Are you saying ew? <laughs> and there's lots of different types of Valentines. And do you know what kind of symbol are on most Valentine's Day cards? I'll give you a hint. It's on Miss Carol's necklace. Heart. A heart, yes, because a heart represents love. And like Valentine's Day cards, whether you're from your mom or your friend or family, they mean, I love you. It's like giving someone a card to tell them that you love them. So do you guys want to see the most beautiful Valentine's Day card that I've ever received? Yes. Yes? I know. <laughs> Yes, Miss Carol wants to see, so I'll tell you. So it's, it doesn't really look like a regular one, and it might not be as, you know, decorative, but this is the most beautiful Valentine that I've ever received. Do you want to know why? <laughs> you have your hand raised? Because it's Wendy. It's the cross. Yes, because it's the cross, and it shows Jesus' love for me. Although it's not in the shape of a heart, it shows that Jesus laid down his life for me. The Bible says, no one has greater love than this, to lay one's life down for one of his friends. And that would, that's what Jesus did when he died on this cross. He gave this life for me. And that is why I say that this cross is the most beautiful valentine that I've ever received. Now, let's think. Does Jesus want me to give him a valentine back? Yeah, he does. You're right. But he, I don't think he wants something like this, you know, or maybe candy. I know I like candy, but Jesus wants me to give him a valentine more like loving others and loving him. And that would be the greatest valentine that we could ever give back to Jesus. Will you guys pray with me and repeat after me, okay? Dear Lord, thank you for loving me. Help me to love you back. By loving, others in your name. by loving others in your name. Amen. Amen.
may be seated. The scripture passage today comes from the 11th chapter of John. Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus was sick, so they sent for Jesus to come and heal him. Jesus received the message and then waited another couple of days before he and his disciples headed for Bethany. We pick up the story at the 17th verse. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Mar Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Carolyn. I've got a head cold that I am trying to save my voice for three services. So um, will you pray with me? Open our hearts and minds, O Lord, that we might hear your voice speaking to us in the words to come and the words just read. Amen. Lazarus is dead, not sleeping, not mostly dead. He's all the way dead. Did you ever see the movie, The Princess Bride? This is like one of my favorite movies. It's a story about a farmhand named Wesley who is on a journey to rescue his true love, Princess Buttercup, from the odious Prince Humperdinck. At one point in the adventure, when Wesley's companions rescue him from Humperdinck's henchmen, they are afraid that Wesley is dead. They take him to Mad Max, a folk healer who is played by Billy Crystal. He declares that Wesley is only mostly dead. He says there's a big difference between mostly dead 
and all dead. Mostly dead is slightly alive. All dead, well, with all dead, there's usually only one thing that you can do. Yes? What is that? Well, go through his clothes and look for any loose change. <laughs> well, Lazarus is all dead. And do you know how we know that? Well, let's dust off our King James versions of the Bible and take a closer look. I don't use King James often, but I love its rendering of the raising of Lazarus. Jesus, after weeping and being emotionally moved, commands those around him to open up Lazarus' tomb. There's instant protest. Lazarus has been dead for a few days, and everyone knew that rolling the stone away would not be pretty. Now, here's the King James Version. Martha calls out, But Lord, he stinketh. Stinketh. Oh, my gosh, that's such a great word. I've been using it all week. <laughs> so we can imagine the odor, right? Because we've all had raw chicken in our refrigerator a few too many days. Or how about a dead rat in your attic? Have you ever had that experience? A few days in an attic at 150 degrees in the summer, not enough to cook it, just enough to make it stinketh a lot. And how did Lazarus get into this condition? Well, he got sick, like many of us do. Mary and Martha had sent a message to their friend Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are probably Jesus' closest friends. But Jesus didn't come right away when he was called. He was too late, and Lazarus died. Both sisters lamented, if only, if only you had been here. On a courageous day, I might say, where the heck were you? On a normal day, I would be saying the same thing but I would be saying it under my breath. Whether aloud or under our breath, don't we find ourselves asking the same question of God from time to time? Where the heck were you? Jesus told his disciples that Lazarus is dead, and only then does he decide to take the trek back to Bethany. Jesus then arrives on the fourth day the day that is beyond all hope. All through Scripture, the third day is the day that God acts. On the third day, God descends onto Mount Sinai and reveals the Ten Commandments. On the third day, Joshua's spies emerge from hiding. On the third day, famines end for King David and later for Elijah. On the third day, Jonah is expelled from the belly of the great fish. On the third day, Queen Esther ends her fast and approaches the king to save her people. On the third day, Jesus rose again from the dead. And when does Jesus mosey into town to see Lazarus? He arrives on the hopeless fourth day. The one who is the resurrection and the life is weeping for his dear friend Lazarus. This does not look good. This definitely does not look hopeful. I'd like to camp out for just a bit in these feelings of hope and hopelessness to wonder together what we might learn from this seventh and final sign that's in the Gospel of John, which is, of course, Jesus actually raising Lazarus from the dead. But Mary and Martha were expecting Jesus to come and heal their brother. So when he didn't come in time and, Jesus, and Lazarus died, they were deep in their grief. The situation seemed hopeless. When life is going well, it's easy to feel hopeful, isn't it? When we're healthy, when our kids and our grandkids are healthy and they're getting into good schools, when we have travel plans, a tea time, and a dinner reservation with a great early bird special. When life is good, it's easy to feel hopeful about today and the future. But what about when life stinketh? Just this week, right here in Florida, there was another shooting at a school where beautiful young teenagers 
had their lives brutally stolen from them. We have all endured broken relationships and betrayals from people who were supposed to be our friends. Many of us have been touched by cancer, either in ourselves or in those we love, or other illnesses and accidents and heartbreaks. It's in these moments of life when feelings of hopelessness can seep into our soul like a dense fog. In fact, I think it might be hopelessness that drives people to the rocky cliff in Sydney, Australia, known as The Gap. This is the most notorious suicide destination in all of Australia. Yet even in this desperate place, there is a bit of hope shining through a couple named Don and Moya Ritchie. The Ritchies have lived in a home near this suicide spot for almost 50 years. Every morning, Mr. Ritchie wakes up and looks out the window to see if anyone is standing alone too close to the edge of the cliff. If he senses anyone uh, maybe contemplating suicide, he would slowly walk across the road to them. At the cliff edge, he would simply smile and say, can I help you in some way? More often than not, the quiet approach worked. Afterwards, he would invite them back to his home for a cup of tea and a chat. His ambition has always been to just get them away from the edge, to buy them time, to give them the opportunity to reflect and give them the chance to realize that things might look better the next morning. Mr. Ritchie said, never underestimate the power of a kind word and a smile. His calm voice and compassionate manner must have looked and sounded a bit like Jesus, a cup of hope. In Japanese, the word nozomi means hope. On March 11, 2011, an earthquake that measured a nine on the Richter scale shook northeastern Japan, unleashing a savage tsunami. Thousands of homes were destroyed. Over 20,000 people lost their lives. Japanese and American Christians came to the devastated area to lend a hand and to help these people begin to rebuild their lives. One day, as they were cleaning up a park, they noticed all these pieces of broken pottery from plates and from cups, and they wondered, what if we could make something beautiful from this devastation? The Nozomi Project was born. It's a faith-based social enterprise that brings sustainable income, community, dignity, and hope to the women in Ishinomaki, training them to craft high-quality jewelry products. Nozomi women have lost either their home or a member of their immediate family. Together, they are creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry featuring broken pieces of pottery left in the wake of the tsunami. I'm wearing a Nozomi piece of jewelry today that was given to me by a dear friend in this congregation, which is how I learned about this ministry. Along with a core value of generosity, they have chosen three key words to describe the Nozomi project, community, restoration, and hope. Beauty from brokenness, shards of hope. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I promise to give you abundant life. Just follow me. And darn if Jesus doesn't start walking to Jerusalem straight towards his death. By following Jesus, we are not spared from suffering. We join him in it, which means that we are never alone Martha encourages us to believe that God is the one who moves into the world with all of its darkness, its brokenness, and grief. Martha reminds us that even in unanswered questions and unmet requests, we are not alone. It's kind of like being stuck in Seoul, South Korea during the rainy monsoon season. Day after day, week after week, 
The same dreary gray skies, winds and, sh and rain shroud the city. You can feel like the whole world is closing in on you. But then someone came up with a brilliant plan to infuse just a little bit of hope. They painted the streets with a special hydrochromatic paint that can only be seen when it's wet. When life feels its most gloomy, the streets are their most colorful, a splash of hope. Just as Mary and Martha showed us, even in our grief, we can still hope. The Apostle Paul reminds us, brothers and sisters in Christ, we do not grieve as others, who, as others do who have no hope. Jesus does not promise physical life without physical death. He promises an experience of the abundant life that swallows up the sting of death. We join the prophet Hosea when, when he says, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where is your sting? Well, this does not mean that we don't have times or seasons that are especially challenging when our hope is running on empty, where we need our community of faith, our tribe to hold us up breathing hope back into our weary souls. If you're in that situation where life is feeling hopeless, I would encourage you to just ask God for the very thing that you most need. Ask God to renew you with a new dose of hope. You know, when we are sick, we take medicine to lessen the pain and to feel better. When four to six hours have passed, if we still have the symptoms, we take another dose of the medication, don't we? Likewise, I think we have to keep turning back to God to get another dose of hope. And I don't know about you, but I have found it helpful to stay open to God, reaching into our lives in a variety of ways, because we just aren't meant to do life alone and God will stop at nothing to reach us. Anthony Britton is a magician who was tempting to mimic a buried-alive stunt that Harry Houdini himself had tried but failed. Basically, for this stunt, you are buried beneath six feet of dirt. If that's not bad enough, before they start dumping buckets of dirt on you, they handcuff your hands and shackle your legs. I can barely breathe just thinking about that. Well, just like Houdini, Anthony Britton was unable to dig his way out. He almost died, needing to be extricated from the grave and revived by the paramedics. Here is Britton's account of the experience. To start off with, it's painful. There's no coffin there. There's no casket. Nothing there to protect your body. I remember the first bucket of, of soil as it hit me. It was a bit of a shock. Each bucket that went on to you, obviously, the crushing that is coming from the front, you know, underneath you, it's coming from the sides of you, it's going on top of you. For some reason, I think the soil shifted or something, and I got my right arm trapped. It was trapped between my body and the actual soil itself. So at that point, it was, cranky. I can't move my right arm. Anyway, I felt myself going unconscious, and I was just trying to focus on, you've got to do this, you've got to escape the grave. But you know, it just got to the point where I had given it my entire best shot. I had nothing left in my body. I could feel myself going under. At that point, everyone knew exactly what to do, and they, his tribe, got to me as quick as they could. Anthony Britton couldn't escape his grave by himself any more than Lazarus could, or you can, or I can. Yet God does not leave us alone. God reaches us through music, through silence, through his word. God reaches us through sunsets and singing birds through dogs, and even cats. And of course, God uses each one of us to reach out our hands in creativity 
and kindness, to bring beauty out of brokenness, to help dig our neighbor out of the rubble of life, to show up, to give a gentle smile, a listening ear, a cup of tea, offering God's love and hope for all the times when life stinketh. week, let's be open to the ways, the many ways that God may be trying to reach us and then how God may try to use us to reach others with a word of hope. And now may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow through your heart so that all might see and believe. Amen.